Dave. This is Bird Road. This is Bird Road. We're trying to squeeze in one more before the end of the year, right, Dave? That's right. Depends that's the plan. How, depends on how quickly I can edit this, see if I can get it up before midnight. Standard Pacific time or whatever. Yeah, worst case, it's it's the first of the new year. So that, that works, too. That's still special. This is still special, no matter how you slice it. I think you're special. Thank you. Um, so I'm sitting here. I'm enjoying some McCafe coffee. Uh, mm. It's... It was still technically the morning for me. And what do you got? A beer? You're drinking beer at <laughs> eight in the morning. Great. Also a coffee. Mm. So heavy cream. Have you tried that? Whipping it up or no? I haven't tried whipping it up, but I do. Uh, I do put it in. I would say about four days out of seven or so. I, I the world the is cream. asking, and they have bated breath. Dave, have you started using whipped cream? Whipped heavy cream. And, um, I have not whipped. Sounds like the answer is no. The that's that's my number one resolution for 2021 is to start whipping my cream. Speaking of which, that's what we wanted to do with this episode. We'll probably try to keep it short because this is a just them boys episode. And um, uh, I, I I figured we would do three two different things. Number one, we'll just go through like three New Year's resolutions we have for the coming year. Mm-hmm. Um, and. I don't know, man. I think of like the whole thing of like how bad the year was or whatever. <sighs> Do you have any feeling like, okay, did this year break through to you at all? Your your famous thing is that on 9-11, you thought that stuff like that happened every day. That's right. like your famous thing. Like, do you, <laughs> did you feel like stuff like this happens every day or did this actually break through? No, I think that I think this is like a world-ending change. Like I'm like slowly but surely starting to come to grips with the fact that uh, I think the world is kind of over, and we're just like in the uh, the aftermath, the throes, the death yeah. throes, or the 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 you know the death rattle of um, yeah. This has never, and I mean I don't know. I, I I'm not a history buff. I don't know what it was really like during like the plague and stuff like that. But I feel like I feel like this. I just feel like our current society is just not prepared for something like this well something i think is fascinating is that if you read about what was going on during the um the the spanish flu mm-hmm. first of all interesting fact about the spanish flu a lot of people assume it's called the spanish flu because like the it started there it it's not the spanish flu is called the spanish flu because spain during world war one when it happened was one of the only countries that acknowledged it that said that mm-hmm. it was going on in the u.s you could get as a reporter or as an editor five to ten years in prison if you wrote about the Spanish flu happening. Like if you acknowledged that it existed, and that that the charge that you would get is sedition and aiding and uh, aiding and giving comfort to the enemy by acknowledging that our country was like ravaged with this um, you know crippling right. pandemic that was killing opposite of what's happening now. It was killing young people. It was Mm -hmm. killing kids. It was killing people mostly, I think, under the age of 25. And um, this is shit that, like, there's a line from this song where they're like, oh, you look into a crystal ball and only see the past. And Mm. and it's like, we can't even do that right. Where (laughs) it's like, in in, uh, 20 years, there's a lot of stuff I've I've been learning about lately about the, the Spanish flu that I think is super instructive about what's going on this year as we you know kind of transition into our three resolutions and three things we learned this year um 
and this isn't one of the one of the things I've learned, but I just want to kind of throw it out there and see what you think about this. Number one, the disconnect that the media, which back then was primarily like just newspapers, mm-hmm. had with with um, people. And I remember reading the story about like Philadelphia and San Francisco, which had pretty strong newspapers and pretty strong media, and also were racked with this disease, uh, the Spanish flu. People were like opening up. On the street, they were opening up these newspapers and not seeing a single word about this pandemic and looking at the alley or at the the gutters of the streets and seeing bodies piled up. Right. And the disc the disconnect you get when it's like, here's your learned or your 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 lived experience of life. What is happening in front of you, in front of your very eyes? There are bodies stacked up. And mm. fortunately now we have better infrastructure for the most part, with some few exam with some few exceptions like uh Brooklyn and um and uh, where else and Los Angeles you don't actually see bodies stacked up but I mean like don't make any mistake the bodies are stacking up there's 400,000 more deaths this year than there were in the average previous year so like people are fucking dying um the disconnect I I think is one that affects you for a long time I think if you remember if you had anybody who was in your family from that quote-unquote silent generation, which would be people that were born from, I don't know, like 1900 to like 1915 or 1920 or something like that. And you remember that they just have like this thousand-yard stare and they just kind of sit in a... in a, the, I mean, like even before they got old, they would just kind of sit in a corner and stare at a fire for like six hours and <laughs> like talk in non-sequiturs. It's like, yeah, no shit. That's what that kind of experience does to you. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna theorize here. I I don't know if this is uh, an accurate answer or not, but uh, I I feel like that disconnect and that not needing any kind of concrete answer for anything, just like whatever, maybe just comes from religion, from from the the world of generations of people who got all their answers from nonsense, and so now they don't need concrete answers or history or. Uh, real information about anything. Right. Because the Bible, and I mean, not just the Bible, not to pick on Christianity, but all religion is made up of like parables of morality and like a game of telephone over the course of generations and generations and thousands of years. They lose their coherence. Like, you you know, you're like, they did what? They said they were going to cut the baby in half? I don't understand. Like, why would they do that? And it's like, oh, no, no, because it's, you know, it's a it's it's supposed to teach you that, like, you know, for like, what was the point of that story? Like, that you sometimes you have to give things up so that they don't get cut in half. I don't understand. Like, that what, being gay what, is bad. That's the point. That of being that gay story. is bad. Yeah, it's like don't be gay. Like, <laughs> but that shit gets lost over time, and then you try to apply it to modern. And again, when I say modern, I mean like 1918 and 2020 uh, circumstances, and it's incoherent, mm-hmm. and so your 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 toolbox of understanding for the world is an is is an incoherent thing it's gibberish it doesn't make sense you're like why yeah. i don't know god wants it this way or like you yeah. know it must be that uh you know god hates brooklyn or you know okay yeah. well it's eight months later i guess now god hates north dakota and yeah and you, you you lose the ability to 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 do anything other than seek refuge in that. And that's sure. what people have, have done, right? Like they turn into a thing where it's like, if you go down the rabbit hole arguing with these people enough, and I, I when I say these people, what I mean is like 
people, everybody who runs the gamut from like the people who deny that closures or safety measures help all the way to the people who completely don't believe that the virus even exists, that it's just a complete 100% hoax. You know what the worst ones are right now to me, uh, not to interrupt you, but are the, the follow the money ones. Uh, it just, just drives me fucking crazy. Like, like that's the least original thought you could possibly have. Also the least helpful. Yeah. Follow the money. Okay. Yeah. Dick Tracy. You, you like, congratulations. You and the fucking Hardy boys followed the money all the way to drum roll, please. The same fucking people that are always rich. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> you've you've unlocked the idea that uh our specific brand of capitalism that runs this empire is one that takes advantage of every circumstance to increase wealth yep. among the wealthy congratulations Amazing. you fucking Amazing. found the coda of the world <laughs> yeah good good job oh wow bill gates found a way to somehow still get richer Je- <laughs> jeff bezos found a way to still get richer holy <laughs> shit we figured it out folks you know what? You know what that tells you? Only one thing you can do: not take the vaccine. <laughs> that's what they. That's what they don't want you to do. That's right. That's what they don't want you to do is not take that fucking vaccine. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I've been finding the whole nineteen eighteen and like what was going on. The other thing I thought was interesting was, um, and I don't think obviously we're not because of the nature of this disease, we're not in um, danger of this happening because again, kids and younger people are not in the kind of danger that older people are. Whereas with the Spanish flu, it was the exact opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, Dave, are you familiar with the archetype of like the greatest generation and like why they call them the greatest generation? I mean, I assumed it's because of the war, but I don't know. Right. No, yeah, you're right. Okay. It's because of the war. It's because World War II, most people I think can agree that like World War II was the last easily defined war where it's like we were we were the good guys ever since then it's been pretty ambiguous and actually mostly mostly the opposite we've mostly been the bad guys we've been the invaders we've been the impressors in pretty mm-hmm. much every war that we've done that we've um perpetrated but world war ii was the last time we were like unambiguously the good guys and the greatest generation get that moniker from being like the brave young always defined at the time as young because they were young generation of 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 men who enlisted and went off to fight and then the women and people who weren't fit for battle or, or, or for service who stayed home and the whole country came together right and like found a way to to you know defeat uh fascism and uh nazism around the world um even though it was mostly the soviets that defeated uh nazism but uh the thing that that people don't really talk about that much is the reason why okay so like the the thing that everybody talks about always is and there's been movies made about this there's always like a world war ii movie always begins with this archetypical young kid who's like too young to join the military in world war ii and lies and forges his age right that's like Mm -hmm. the ascendant sort of um that's like the dominant narrative is like which is based in reality like right I, i don't know what the numbers are but a huge amount of men joined who were too young boys really they were like 17 16 15 some as young as 15 joined up but what people don't talk about is like why they had to. There was an entire missing generation of men in their 20s and 30s who were prime war, who would have been prime war age. That's the silent generation, the people who died 15 years earlier in 1918 mm. to 1920, who when time came and they had to go fight this 
you know, justified and um, in the light of history, you know, defensible war, a war where, again, we were like the good guys. When when it uh, when it came time for them to go fight that war, they weren't there because they had died as little kids. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's... I'm not trying to say that that's what's going to happen here. What I'm trying to say is that the failures during times like this, the ways that you fuck up, the ways that you fuck up a response to something like this, it's impossible to know how it's going to affect you down the road. And how did that affect us? We were all raised by grandpas who had that like 10,000 yard stare because they had seen way too much fucked up shit in their life. We were all raised by, you know, grandmas who, um, you know, lost fingers in the fucking, in, in, in the factories that they were forced to work in, in because, you know, that was the, the, the production was necessary at that time to like, all of these, like war is hell. War is fucking hell. And it's even worse when you're making teenagers do it. And when you're making little kids do it. And, what is going to be the unintended consequence of, or it's not really unintended because it's like nobody intended for us to have a pandemic, but like, what is the unforeseen consequence 10, 15, 20 years from now that are fucking up of this? I think personally that with all this like biological diversification that's happening around the world and also the, like the, the death of biomass where like so many different, um, uh, what do you call it? Species are 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 becoming extinct and dying. I think that there's going to be a really, really, really bad pandemic. Nothing yeah. like what we're experiencing right now. And I think that we're going to try to apply lessons that we learned in the wrong way from this entire experience from the year 2020. We're going to look back, and there's still going to be disagreement. There's still going to be a lack of consensus. There's still going to be people saying that you know, wearing masks and distancing don't help. And that actually, you know, we should focus on the economy instead of um, all this other stuff. I don't know. What do you think? No, I th- yeah, I think that it's so ingrained right now. And especially with the, you know, politicizing it, which was, I guess, bound to happen. But that just means that there's uh, an entire swath of this country that is, I mean, I'm just talking about it on, you know, United States terms, but uh you know, that's going to continue to think that way. Yeah, even if we do get out of this, it's when that bigger one hits, which, like you said, probably will at some point, hopefully not for a long time. But uh, yeah, I think that them and their kids and that that side will continue to feel that way, which is awesome. <laughs> um, so why don't we why don't we look forward a little bit and then we'll maybe look backwards how about that how, do, how, how about we handle it that way why don't we start with like um i asked you to come up with some resolutions hopefully you came up with something profound and meaningful that will touch oh, the yeah. hearts and minds of our listeners and um, definitely and and so why don't we start with your first resolution and why don't we like kind of back and forth these and we'll spend like a couple minutes on each one of them and um and and then that's that's a show right there all right sounds good to me um and yes, my my resolutions will be will be very very interesting and important things that will try touch the, whole, touch the whole world and not just me and my little uh, bubble. Fin- finally, try anal. <laughs> that narrowly is number four. Uh, <laughs> just missed out. <laughs> number one, of course, has to do with movies. Um, 
And that is to try to force myself to watch more older movies. Uh, you know, Awesome Movie Year <laughs> is doing really good right now. It's, you know, continuing to grow. Another podcast here on All Points West that I produce. And uh, this year, I have made it a point to watch every movie that we're covering. Uh, you know, I'm not a host of it. I'm just a producer, but I am on mic. And so I want to at least be able to be a part of the conversation. And a lot of these movies I've ended up loving. Uh some from from the 70s from the 80s from these earlier generations that I don't I'm not as big into when it comes to movies and we will be doing a season uh, it's not the next one but coming up that's going back to the 60s and then I know Josh wants to do one in, on one of the 50s years so yeah I, I'm going to continue to try to watch all of them and expand my knowledge even further when it comes to movies because uh, it'll also make piecing it together better because I'll have a bigger range of puzzle pieces to to look at. So I'm definitely going to try to force myself to watch more old movies. That's funny because, um, and I like that you slyly, you know, sneaked in, snuck in some uh, plugs for your own projects. That's good. Smart, <laughs> yes, yes. smart move. Um, I see you've been trained well. Uh, <laughs> It's funny that yours has to do with movies, your first um, resolution, because so does mine. But mine is specifically to consume fewer podcasts, movies, and TV shows this year. Um, okay. Honestly, on balance, they bring me no joy. It's a joyless endeavor. Then you shouldn't. Yeah. I don't. I, I feel like it's all a lot of it. I don't know. The As long as we're talking about like movies and stuff like that, like let's let, let, like let's talk about this then like don't you feel that are you getting the feel and I, god damn this is such a lukewarm like i don't know take or whatever but it really maybe more this year than ever before feels like everything is just the sludge going through the processor and getting reprocessed and packaged into something different and maybe i just still have the taste of that wonder woman, woman movie in my mouth <laughs> yeah, or something. Right. but like it really it really does feel like this year more than ever it was just like even supremely original and good stuff like um like mank which i really enjoyed also feels like it's just an exercise in taking existing pieces and just kind of moving them around mm. and into like novel and and new ways um which is why like i liked that and this was two years ago this wasn't this year but i like that nicholas winding refn a monstrosity of a tv show uh mm. too old to die young because at least it was fucking different it was something nobody had ever done it was somebody taking a fucking swing nobody takes swings anymore and the people who take swings it's like it's posed they're not really taking big swings what they're doing is still something that's been done but like slightly different i don't know mm -hmm. I, I feel well, like the lack of maybe it's just lack of originality i don't know in a way, that's part of the point of piecing it together, right, is to look at, you know, the influences of these new movies. So, I mean, that is part of that's part of just making art in general is being inspired by older things. But uh, I, I do think, though, that this year and it's also partially because of the whole process of the pandemic and, and the fact that a lot of these like smaller movies are getting like pushed through and everything else is is delayed and, and a lot of things that maybe weren't finished yet just get like slapped together and then put out there. I, I do find that this year, well, because I always rank all the movies I watch during the year, which is a ridiculous endeavor, but I do it anyway. Um, I find that this year there's been more movies that I liked than any of the previous like five, six, seven years, but not as many movies that I loved. 
So I do think that you you have somewhat of a point there. There's not a lot of four star and up movies, but there's a ton of three, three and a half movies. So I there's plenty to enjoy. And I, I'm definitely still really enjoying having little movie marathons here at my house, even though I'd much rather be watching them in the theater. But uh, yeah, there's still plenty of good movies, though. Maybe it's like the death of the Omni culture, that whole conversation about like, oh, it used to just be we all knew that there was this one big cool thing that we were going to go watch and see. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, Game of Thrones was so fucking bad at the end. Uh, Wonder Woman was so bad. Um and then this like this 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 uh goofy Mandalorian show comes out of nowhere and it's good, right? And then like I don't know, like I I think of something like um a show a movie we talked about a bunch, which was The Vast of Night. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I loved it. And there's like nobody to talk with it about. Like right. it's just right. like that's not omniculture, but it should be. And it's like everything is backwards when yeah. it comes to this shit. And I mean how about we do this? We'll like we'll kind of ping pong back and forth. I'll do my second one, and then you do your second one because okay. this leads into my second one, which is reading more books. This is the first year that I've read zero books of my wow. life as like as an ex- as a conscious human being since That's maybe crazy. like yeah first year that I did not read a new book. Um, I am about a hundred pages right now into Moby Dick, and I'm reading Moby Dick. I had never read Moby Dick before. I tried to when I was in high school and it lost me. Um, and now I'm I'm really into it. I love it. I'm 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 reading it um, at night about thirty. I don't have a lot of time, but like 20, 30 pages a clip. Sometimes only like five or ten pages. But uh, I'm reading Moby Dick. I want to read a lot more books. Not listen to books um, because I think that I don't know. There's some kind of passivity in this. I think for like twenty. I don't remember when. Whenever Audible got big. From 2014 to like 2018 or whatever, there was the the rise of like the audio medium. And I, I, I think audio medium has its validity, but not in reading, not in books. I, I don't know. Do you Have you ever listened to books on tape? I mean, did you read anything this year? Well, I, I did read Charlie Kaufman's Ant Kind, which oh, was yeah, yeah, a huge 700 page. I mean, that's more pages that that's, I've that's read. That's longer than Moby Dick. That's actually yeah. longer than Moby Dick. It's, in, it's an insane thing. But uh, so I, I'm glad I, I read that. But I just I just don't know how to fit reading into my life. But I have listened to a few uh, audio books and I'd like to listen to more of them. I, I understand what you're saying. Like, I, I imagine it's kind of the same thing with... Uh, you know, with podcasts too, that once you listen to it, it just in one ear out the other, like, yeah. you know, and it, you're not going to really take any of it in for, for long term. And so I, yes. I do understand that. But I will say, though, the disaster artist on audiobook is just incredible because Greg Sestero reads it and he does uh, a really amazing Tommy Wiseau impression. So I have that in my, aud- I have that in my audible um, library. I've just never actually listened to it. And so good. Maybe I will. <laughs> Um, okay, so what's your number two? All right, so my number two, something I know we've both been uh, working on, is my fitness. Uh, I want to, you know, I, I'm very, like, proud of myself for continuing to maintain after all the, the weight loss I had last year. Uh, I've maintained this year. I lost a little bit more. Uh, but, you know, it's tough being stuck in your house all day, uh, not being able to go to the gym anymore and all that stuff. So in 2021, I want to, um, you know, really kind of refocus it. And if I still can't go to the gym, then 
force myself, figure something out to really up it back to what it was before, uh, you know, quarantine and all that kind of stuff. Uh, because I just don't feel comfortable going to the gym when I have to be with my parents, like, you know, four or five days a week, you know, it's like, right. it's just not right to go. So, so yeah, I need to find a way to do it more at home. Um, and that's, that's my second one. Um, okay. So now do your, your third one. Cause we're going to do like ping pong style. Okay. And, uh, the third one, uh, so it's not ping pong style. Why am I saying that? It's like, yeah. what, what do you call that? Where it's I, like, I don't even know what that is. Uh, we're like trapezoidal. You, you do one. Yeah. <laughs> octagonal. <laughs> uh so yeah my third one is to continue to transform my house uh we we've been like really working on our on our home gina and i and uh we have this whole big master plan because i do kind of want to maybe build a home theater something we've talked about in private and but the thing is i can't just build a home theater if i'm going to build a home theater upstairs in the room that she currently has all her photography equipment in that means i also have to move my studio up to the other half of that giant room and then we have to move all of uh the guest bedroom to where my studio was, move all of her photography stuff to the old guest bedroom. It's like this whole chain reaction of room switching and moving around. So it is a motherfucking process, but I kind of want to make it all happen in 2021. This is so funny because like you are going to think that I'm like subtweeting you or like <laughs> or like trolling you with a lot of these things that I'm saying as as my own resolutions, but um like it kind of just worked out that way. You and I have diverging priorities in mm -hmm. life and like what we want to do. So my third one is to make new relationships and like get outside of the house more yeah. and to like create more community and be part of community. And I, I, I have written here in my notes that like just this note where I'm like, our worlds have gotten so small mm -hmm. and that's true. And it's, I, I, I feel like it, uh, this I is going to lead in really well, by the way, to one of the things I've learned this year. So, but, but continue, continue. Um, I want, I would love to use the podcast as a way to make that happen. We've done like four live shows. I would like to, as soon as we have that, that good juice in our veins flowing through, uh, you know, flowing through our veins, as soon as we get that, 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 that puro, that, that good shit, <laughs> as soon as we, as soon as we get it, I would love for us to just like go all over Florida, Nevada, California, just doing shows. And like, I'd love and, that and too, have, actually. I, I would love to get out. I would love to like, uh, just, I don't know. We were on a path. We had some cool stuff lined up in uh, the beginning of last year. And then I don't know, man, I want to, I, I want to meet new people and have more again again another thing i don't think i made any new friends this year this might be mm -hmm. the first year where i didn't make a new friend yeah makes sense of my life of somebody that like that i didn't know at the beginning of the year and that i now talk to the food regularly. delivery guy the, yeah. maybe but that's a different guy because of the you know the 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 the, the, the sort of broad strokes of of uh how that world works and you know i, I you don't you don't see any new people. You don't meet any new people, man. It's just, it's like, yeah, it's weird. Again, another thing, I'm not going to take it for granted anymore. I don't want to like, I want to get out and, 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 uh, and expand mm -hmm. my world. And it's funny because you're like, 
kind of retreating into your yes. home yes, movie I've theater. Yes, I very, very much am. It's pathetic. Um, so, all right, go ahead. Uh, you, you, you start off with something you've learned, Dave. We're, we're transitioning now that we've done our three resolutions. Yeah, so um, I mean, I'm, I might as well just go right into what I was talking about. And I do agree. I, I do want to get back to the live shows because I, I love uh, podcasting. I'm having like so much fun with piecing it together, an awesome movie here, and this podcast. And I hope All Rice No Beans gets back on track. Um, and I'd love to produce more podcasts. But I have learned through this whole uh, pandemic and quarantine and all that how much I truly love being home uh, more than ever. And, you know, I get it. I get what you're saying about wanting to meet people and, and have new friends and all that kind of stuff. I'm I'm so happy at home. I, I, I love working on podcasts, working on music, hanging out with my dog, hanging out with Gina, uh, watching movies, listening to music, cleaning, you know, like all, all the stuff that I can do at home is just my favorite. And I think, I think I'm going to settle into being an old man, uh, really, really well. I think I'm going to enjoy it very much, but, but I do, I do agree though. I do want to get back to live shows and I of course look forward to, uh, hanging out with you again one day. <sighs> but that just seems like giving up though. Doesn't it feel like giving it up does. like you... Well, yeah, the home theater thing is that's a line in the fucking sand. If I'm going to spend that kind of money on on having a home theater. Oh, it it is. It is. It's 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 world ending. It's it's I am now the guy who spends his evenings alone in this dark room with no light like it is 100 percent. And that's fine. It's fine. I'm 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 uh, I'm a 40 year old married man in a world that's been ravaged by a virus. So it is what it is. That's depressing, man. <laughs> I mean, like, but don't you want to travel? Don't you want to like see new happy. cities? I'm happy. Well, yeah, and and of course, and you know, Gina and I, you know, don't you have a bucket bet- list. Don't you? Aren't you worried that you're going to get into your fifties and be like, damn, I never saw the catacombs of Paris. I want to yeah. see that. You know, I absolutely want to continue to to travel with Gina. You know, I, I, I want to go on, you know, we're married now and, and we, we love traveling and we want to keep going. We actually got away to a few socially distanced out in the middle of nowhere trips during this whole situation. Um, and they were awesome. They were, they were amazing. And I, I hope to continue to do stuff like that. But that's with her. I don't really care about hanging out with people. Man, Except you. I don't know. Except you. <laughs> it's easy. That's easy to say. I have a funny feeling that if I like tomorrow if i moved to vegas you would suddenly be like really busy and not be able to like go do stuff and hang out very often it I would am, not be... i am very busy what have you learned uh, i'm gonna miss those marvel shows those stupid throwaway trash netflix they're marvel making shows. twice as many of them I know, but they're gonna be like Disney fied. There's not gonna be like a main character who gets raped like like <laughs> Jessica Jones. Like they're not gonna have that. It's not gonna be you know like uh, like Daredevil getting stabbed. With Imagine if the first one eyes. comes out and it's Anthony Mackie getting raped <laughs> <laughs> on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh hell no! I don't know. Is that how Anthony Mackie talks? Is that his character talks? I don't know. I don't think so, asshole. Like, <laughs> <laughs> weren't they trying to do a thing where he was like, um, 
buddy buddy with ant-man like, uh, it was like, I, I think it's one of the other ones. Um, or no, Bucky. He's buddy buddy with Bucky, Bucky with that's um, it. Sebastian Stan's character. Uh-huh. But there was also a scene where he's like antagonistic towards Ant Man, where he's like, "Suck my ass, motherfucker," or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that might not be his line. I probably will not see it. <laughs> that might not one be a line in shows. Avengers: Infinity War. Uh, yeah, this probably not, but. <laughs> All right, tell me, what have you learned? What have you learned? So, um, this year, probably one of the... This year was about, I think, like, giving up on certain things mm-hmm. and giving up on certain ideas. And one of the ideas that I had to give up on, probably later than a lot of other people, um, was the idea that politically or rhetorically or in the in the realm of, like, uh, discourse, whatever, on Twitter or just, you know, out there in, in actual real life, that hypocrisy is a thing that matters. Mm-hmm. I had to give up on the idea that like ideological consistency matters. Um, and the contortions that people have had to put themselves through on either side, but mostly on the, you know, denial side of this entire pandemic, um, that, that people have had to, the boxes people have had to fit themselves into to support a Joe Biden presidency um, or Joe Biden candidacy and then eventual presidency, the the same boxes and 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 pretzels that people have to bend themselves into to uh, somehow still support Republican um, candidates right now. You know, obviously, there's the, as we record this, there we're, we're in the final week, I think, before this very, these very important Senate races. Right, we're told how important they're going to be these Senate races uh, in in Georgia these two special elections that are going to, um, you know, swing the power of the Republic. This again, we just got done with the most important election of all time. And then literally two months later, it's the most important election of all time again. Right. Right. Uh, we, um, and, and, and then like the things that people have to do to number one, think that the two Republicans keeping those two Republicans in, in, in office is a good thing for the country. And then two, to think that putting the two Democrats in will make any kind of a difference. Like the mm-hmm. things that you have to, the, 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 the examples are too myriad to go over just in one podcast. But like, I mean, from the selection of Kamala Harris to like the abandonment of anything that represented any kind of progressive value or anything that was identifiable as like a, a democratic ideal um, to, you know, the i mean like the, the the completing consistencies on the right where it's like well we want less government overreach but at the same time we want donald trump to force people to do all these illegal things like right. we want, yeah. and, like there's a million different things i i mean like i could have jotted down a bunch i just didn't want to because it would just make me angry and it would probably be one of those like fruitless endeavors where i just go down a, a really dark path and I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I've learned that like people are just going to do whatever they want mm-hmm. and they're not going to, they're not going to hold themselves liable for inconsistency. Yeah. Well, they're going to do whatever and, they want and it's not going to be based on anything except for just like a group think kind of situation. And if you take offense to that, if, if that like burns you up inside, then my course of action, my suggestion to you would be what I'm going to try to do, 
which is to only seek consistency from yourself. Mm-hmm. Try to just make sure that you're consistent and make yeah. sure that the things that you believe today um, in the day are the things that you believe tomorrow and they're the things that you believe going forward. Uh, there was somebody who said, I forget one of the, I think I forget who it was. It was somebody who was involved in the Sanders campaign. And um, I, I don't remember. I wish I could give credit to this. It might've just been Bernie himself actually, who said like, and, and again, like a year ago, where were we at, man? We thought that like there, there was, you know, Bernie's campaign was rising. We were a month or two away from, uh, she's going to knock over that soda. Look, she, wants to so. knock over she took I a swing so. at the soda, <laughs> slap her in the head, punch her. Move it. Move it. All right. I don't want to. <laughs> um, uh, we we thought there was like a, a decent chance, which at the time there was, of Bernie ending up being the you know the the nominee for the Democratic Party, and um and then it turned out not to happen. Right, a million different things conspired, uh, factors conspired to make him not not be the candidate, and then also, like frankly, he probably just didn't have enough votes, even if all things were even. Right, he's still broadly a, a a a pretty for our for our country a very far left politician in a pretty right wing country, in right a, in a pro capitalist you know xenophobic, bitter, angry conservative country and an empire. He was some, speaking a language that's incompatible with empire, and we are the height of empire right now in this in this planet. And so he probably wasn't going to win. Like, that's the thing that I think, you know, another thing I learned, too, but that's beside the point. Bernie was probably never going to win. Unless he went up against Trump, he would have won. I think he would have beaten Trump. But he was never going to win against a Joe Biden or any cardboard cutout Hillary Clinton moderate type in this country. So, but anyway, my point is this. At that moment, I think it was Bernie that said, uh, okay, well, what happens next? What happens without the Bernie Sanders campaign? Uh, you know, we, we lost all the wind in our sails. We were, were like, we've gotten our asses kicked. And and it was a few different people, but I think Bernie said it best where he was like, well, you just wake up and you do it again. You wake up mm-hmm. tomorrow and you just keep doing it. Maybe you don't have the, the, the same context of like a, a successful surging national campaign behind you that you had throughout the end of 2015 and the beginning of 2016. You don't have the same momentum that we had that that great feeling we had in February of, of this year in Vegas when we were knocking on doors and people were like, hell yeah, I'm in for Bernie. I'm all in for Bernie. And you're like, yeah. And then a few people were like, well, I don't know much about Bernie. And you tell them and they're like, yeah, yeah, that sounds good. I'll caucus for him. And like, you don't always have that great context or that great moment. And it's not always a time where uh, 5,000 people are listening to your podcast because um, because you're talking about that campaign. And you don't always get to launch a YouTube show where you get to like uh, be like rapidly pro-progressive and get a bunch of attention on showered on yourself. You don't always get to be a little mini left-wing media star or whatever. You don't always get to have the fun issue. Like mm-hmm. it was great to be able to knock on doors about Amendment 4 and be like, yeah, we want felons to be able to vote. And if that's a warm, fuzzy feeling, it feels good. Same thing with Amendment 2. We want a, you know, here in Florida, we want to provide a living wage for people in Florida. That's a great thing. You don't always have that. But you have to wake up every morning and try to, like, and try to get to it, I guess, is the mm. point. Um, so, again, only seek that shit from yourself. Because if you start expecting it from other people, it's frustrating. And mm-hmm. the hypocrisy 
the only person in the, in, in, in the only person that you can hold to account is yourself. So I would say without trying to sound too fucking like Tony Robbins about this shit or too like self-help or too like, you know, the secret about all this, hold yourself accountable for ideological consistency. And then that way you bulletproof yourself. Mm-hmm. That way you go to your grave one day knowing like, yeah, I believed in this thing and I still believe in it and I didn't betray it. I stayed true to it and this is how I did it. Um, so yeah, that would be my, my, my first, uh, thing that I learned as your best friend. I just want to say that I'm glad to hear you say that because I really did at times feel like this shit was bothering you like badly. And as you know, as you know, I checked out a little bit, um, you know, like I still, like you said, I, I, (laughs) I still have what I believe in and I, I stick to that, but I've checked out because I, I don't know if I saw the writing on the wall or what it is, but I just, people are fucking shit. And, you know, and it's yeah. just, it's, it's hard to like, to have any faith in, in people changing. But as long as, like you said, as long as you stick to your, you know, at least you're one person who is going to stay the chorus. So. Yeah. I mean, that, that speaks a little bit to the second thing I've learned, but why don't we hear, hear, hear from you a little bit. What, 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 what uh, what's something else that you learned? This so. Year? I, I, I've talked about this on the show before, I think, like back during one of our early quarantine uh, episodes. Um, and I told you yesterday this would come up. But uh, Gina and I, during the quarantine, got into the whole Kanmari thing of decluttering our house. And uh, I've learned that just like I don't have much attachment to uh, hanging out and drinking with friends or anything like that, I don't have any attachment to my shit. Um, I... I just don't care about any of this Which stuff. Which is a, a hilarious coming from you. Dave was one of the first people of all of us because his parents are rich. He was <laughs> one of the first people to have a house of his own, right? We would, and that became our like hub to yeah. hang out with when we were kids. Don't get me wrong. When we I like kids. having a nice home. No, 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 just, no, no. That's not my point. That's yeah. my, my point of context that I was going to give the give the listeners is that. Mm-hmm. Dave's house was a museum yes. of shit. Just <laughs> walls of like VHS and DVDs and shit like that and CD. He had walls of CDs. It just like, what are you ever going to do? You're ever going to break one of those out and put it on the fucking Never. CD player and listen to it? Never. It was it was a house of detritus. <laughs> and uh, uh that's again big growth from you to come come up come yeah. uh to to this uh learning. I've spent a good chunk of this year getting rid of so much stuff, whether it be donating it, uh, selling a little bit of the more, you know, sellable stuff like computers and things like that, and then just straight up trash. But uh, I, I, you know, plan on continuing that into the new year. And, uh, you know, that's all part of my whole goals thing I was talking about with with, uh, transforming the house. But yeah, just... I just don't care about this stuff. It it does not spark joy, as they say. And it is just, uh, it's stuff. It's stuff that I'm never going to touch, never going to use. And why do you need it? You know? Now, have you turned that Marie Kondo proposition around on itself at all and wondered if there's any reason that it's, that like you can't have joy sparked in you? Like, is there something wrong with you? <laughs> right, right. That, that's a that's a good like, question. Are you a, are you joyless? Well, I, that's a very good question. But no, I I think I I get so much joy, uh, from my pets, from my wife, from my podcast, from making music. But to 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 
do those things, to spend time with those things, I don't need any of the crap that's on the walls or on these shelves. I bought so many shelves in the last five years to store the shit I have. I, I don't even know what I'm going to do with these shelves once I get rid of the stuff that's on them. He says he says this with a full cabinet Street Fighter video game behind him over his left shoulder. I know. Do you know how many times I've <laughs> turned up, that on? Taking up a solid 20 square feet of space in his house. Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Do you see that black cabinet next to it? It's empty. Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I emptied all the stuff out Which of it. Which is funny because it has it has loose papers and books and shit on yeah. top of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck to do. It's, it's all going in the trash. Unless anyone wants any of it. So you heard that here first. Uh, what's the address, Dave? If people want to come pick up a video game, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we'll put it in the show notes. Game player. It's it's a computer with uh, like every emulator and all that stuff on it. In it's actually very fun. Yeah. But when, what, literally, when is the last time you turned that on, though? Like really? I don't even remember. Like six months ago, probably. And even then, it was probably just out of like, yeah, boredom. Like, what, yeah. what's this? Yeah, I was like, I, I guess I'll play here. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for like twenty minutes. <laughs> There's something to that whole thing where it's like the curse. What is it? The curse of the gypsy or whatever. Where it's like, may you get everything you ever wish. <laughs> And I mean, there's there's like a, an analog to that to that thing in modern life where we have like imagine if I told you if I told 13 year old you that you would have that in your house. Mm-hmm. That, oh, you're gonna have a computer in your house that you own without your parents there. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm gonna ask 13 year old Jewish Dave how over under how many hours per day. Do you think you would spend on that machine if I told you all that of you the hours, had, every yeah, hour, every hour, <laughs> however many hours? And instead, what is it? Yeah, you don't touch it, and you're broadly sad. <laughs> I'm so sad. <laughs> um, so the next one is like a little more timely for me. The the next thing that I've learned, and it's something that I kind of have known for. A few years, but the recent um, hashtag force the vote. Have you been following hashtag force the vote at all, Dave? Or no, no. Is that something you're not even mm-hmm. not even engaged with. Yeah, lucky you. So hashtag force the vote for those that don't know is the um, the on- online or mostly online argument, just uh, driving a wedge between the two, the already tiny little wedge that is the American left uh, between. I guess acolytes of, or I guess support. Uh, let me let me give it a better faith reading than that. People who think that um, the progressive wing of the House Congressional Caucus, the House Caucus, should use should withhold their vote their votes on the um, speakership, which would go towards Nancy Pelosi. Obviously, they think that they should hold those votes hostage to um, to force a vote on Medicare for all. Mm. Right. So okay. AOC, the, the idea would be that like AOC, Cory Bush and all these other um, people who fall into that more progressive, you know, Medicare for all uh, supporting roles would refuse to vote for Nancy Pelosi and that maybe there would be enough of them that 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 it could actually make a difference to force a floor vote 
so that people would have to go on, or members of Congress would have to go on record whether or not they actually support Medicare for all. Mm. And then the idea would be not that uh, another ungenerous reading of this is that people think, oh, what? You think that people are just going to vote for Medicare for all anyway? Joe Biden <laughs> will just veto it. It won't get through the Senate. And it's like, no, I understand that the point is a longer strategic game where it's like, okay, um, okay, my congresswoman is on her way out, but let's say she was still there. Donna Shalala, dog shit congresswoman who lost and will be gone. I think as of next week, she won't be my congresswoman anymore. Um, but let's say she was still there and she would partook in that vote. She would vote no. Right, because mm -hmm. that's her positioning. She would. She's a Democrat who's opposed to Medicare for all, and then these people who 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 support this plan that I'm talking about, Dave, they say, okay, good. That's the ammunition that we need to be able to say Donna Shalala sucks. Primary her, replace her with somebody better, um, and then like you know, this is just like a larger political machination of like moving Congress to the left, like dragging it really against its yeah. will to the left. Um, in the will of the people, but against the will of congressional people, congressional members like Donna Shalala, Debbie Carcel Powell, other centrist Democrats who, you know, all of this is preamble to, you know, the fact is that like this guy, the, the guy that, that that has brought this to the fore of the conversation, turned it into a huge argument is a YouTube comedian show host, uh, leftist show host, uh, Jimmy Dore who I didn't really know as a comedian. Did you ever know him as a comedian before he became like a overtly political comedian or whatever? I think I had seen his name, but I didn't really know his stuff. I don't know his stuff either, but he's huge on the left now. He's become like a full-throated, you know, uh, leftist, I suppose. It's such a broad term. I, mean, I don't know if he would describe himself as a socialist or what, or if he has any real coherent ideologies behind beyond like these specific issues like Medicare for All, which, fine, that's admirable if you have that as your issue. Great. No. But what what's what's driven the spike in between the two factions on the left is that he has full throatedly criticized people like AOC and other progressive Congress people for not jumping on board with this plan to force the vote, right? Um, and it goes beyond just like, okay, well, this is an option. Hey, uh, AOC, the squad or whatever, you guys should try this. Oh, no? Okay, well, that sucks that you guys aren't doing that. Instead, he's much more vociferous, He's doing it in a way where he's getting criticized for um, centering himself as like the 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 provocateur, as the like uh, the the person that's like kind of driving the conversation, and you know he's wrong a lot of times about things. Like I don't mean like wrong as in like I'm disagreeing with him. I mean he's like factually wrong about a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. He's a comedian trying to you know partake in political discourse. He doesn't really fully understand the, the process. I mean, neither do you and I. Like, right. there's political shit you and I don't know either. Yeah. And um, and I'm a genius, and I don't know it. And uh, so what can we expect from some random dude? But anyway, that is the fight that's happening on the left right now, and it's gotten incredibly nasty. It's gotten way over the top. Uh, and it, like I said before, it's riven the, 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 the wing or the caucus or whatever the left in half. And um, I, I would say the thing that I've learned over the course of maybe the last four years, but specifically this year, and this is only the most recent example or, or learning moment for this, is that the political left as a national enterprise in the United States is doomed. It is going to fail. It's pointless. Um, and that has less to do with how awful we are as leftists 
and way more to do with like the specific power that capitalism can exercise to perpetuate itself when it's in control. Mm-hmm. Because again, I don't want to give bad faith readings to people um, and why they do what they do, but there's like a huge amount of people out there or not a huge amount. There's a small amount actually of people out there who are the most prominent voices on the left and who seem to be doing what they do for Patreon dollars or for, um, sub, you know, subscriptions, mm-hmm. uh, downloads and metrics like that. Uh, and when I say that, somebody asked me the other day on Twitter when I was like, I was like, yeah, that's a problem. I agreed that, yeah, it was a problem. I don't want to cast anybody's like intentions or try to pretend that I know the heart of any other people, but you can look and see what people do. You can look at people's actions and there is a wide amount of people, a large amount of people relative to the amount of people overall in the media who are, you know, identified to be on the left, claim to be that claim to support this and that and whatever issues, but beyond their show and beyond the content that they create, they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like their only contribution to the discourse and to actually moving the country to the left or moving voters to the left is just, you know, making their show. And that's all that they do. Now, you look at guys like the, the guys at Chapo, right? We went and saw their show. Mm-hmm. Probably the most successful example of, of people on the left. And those guys were at the same fucking house in... Uh, in East Las Vegas off of Nellis that we were at, that I went to, to pick up the, the shit and go knocking on doors. Right. Them and I think they had Justin Jackson, the football player, um, there at the same time. Justin Jackson, another great example. A guy who has a, he's an NFL player. He has a huge platform. He could just be a media whore, but he's knocking on doors. He's out there doing shit, right? The Chapo guys, I say the same thing about them. They could, I mean, those guys are making like three million, or what is it, like $1.8 million a year on their show. They could just sit back and just do that. But yeah. they were, they they actually, to a man and woman, I know that they despise electoral politics and they engaged fully in the Bernie campaign against, in some cases, I think their better judgment, against their better taste because they saw an opportunity there. They they made a, they made a, um, a judgment call in that specific instance to endorse and work on Bernie's campaign. Uh, and they probably helped. They probably ha- were a huge help. If you get down to the numbers on the other side, there are people whose only contribution to left politics is their podcast or their show or their YouTube channel or whatever, and, or their Twitter account or their Substack or whatever. Beyond that, they don't participate. And, um, yeah, I, I, I give less credibility to those people and there's a lot of them right now and they're permanently at war with not just each other but with other people who are you know maybe more uh more politically invested people who are more invested on local levels it's 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 a fight that has so many ridges and contours and and places where you can find disagreement amongst passionate people that there's never going to be that lockstep agreement that there is on the right or even in the center where everybody just agrees like i don't even really know that much about joe biden but fuck it let's vote for him Mm -hmm. you know i don't even really like i I don't even really know anything about donald trump but he's my god now i I worship him i love him more than anything in the world 
And uh, all I know is that these guys hate the same things I hate. And yeah, maybe we have some disagreements over. Look at how many uh, people of color, how many black people, how many Hispanics supported Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. I mean, you would never see something like that on the left where one character is so overtly hateful towards a broad swaths of the population and is still embraced by some members of that population. Right. All you can do on the left is alienate yourself. All you can do on the left is become marginalized and become pushed out. All you can do is go from being exalted to being torn down. There is no possibility for a Trump-like figure. People shit on Bernie. People shit on Bernie Sanders. Yeah. The guy who did more for this movement than anybody in the last century. Yeah. And I mean, if you if, if you're part of a movement where that guy can get shit on and ripped apart, uh, then I don't know. I don't think there's much hope nationally. Now I say that, but I want to like make clear that it's still important. Like it's probably the most important thing to going back to one of my resolutions to like as things become a little more safe as as we get that good juice in our veins as mm -hmm. we get that that get that get that vax. Um, <laughs> It's important still. Actually, it, again, it's the most important thing. Walk out your front door and go fucking do something. Go do something in, in your neighborhood. Participate in a mutual aid program. Just go fucking teach kids how to read. Go knock on fucking doors and talk about issues uh, with, you know, take, take part in some kind of political program. Be a part of something on a local or a state level. If you if you want to. Try to engage with your with your county or state Democratic Party. Maybe you can pull them to the left a little bit there on a, on on those levels. Um, you know, you've heard in previous episodes we've talked with people like Jeff Campbell and people like um, like Thomas Kennedy about uh, ways that people can make a difference with Sabrina Javiana. All, all these people who do it every day, right? Keep doing that. What I'm saying is, don't look to the bigger like macro. Like, oh, we're going to get a People's Working Party and we're going to fight against Democrats and Republicans alike. Mm -hmm. Don't look at that national shit because I'm telling you, man, that shit is doomed. It's yeah. doomed. If it happens, it'll be bottom up. Uh, if it happens in our lifetime, at least, it'll yeah. be bottom up. It's not going to be like Bernie's already aging out and he only caught fire at the very, very tail end of his career. And, and like maybe, maybe there'll be somebody else who doesn't sell out and is a paragon. But... Honestly, we'll probably rip those people to pieces because exactly. that's what we do. We will. Yeah, that, that's the problem uh, with the left. I, you know, just to echo what you were just saying, but I, I think it's like a perfect storm of, like you were saying, like the capitalist interests of any any uh, activity you do, whether it's a show or whatever, uh, and this like whole purity war thing of being a leftist, of being a progressive. And it, it just, those two things combined make it impossible for any real like meaningful anything to stick you know that donald trump has like no real actual moorings in any positions like he doesn't actually right. believe in anything of right? course so like what if he what if he had just chosen to be donald trump but to do it from the left instead of the right right the first time that he like made fun of the washington post reporter and it would like uh no thank you ableism language uh, you know i i, <laughs> I, I, I it, it, he would have been canceled right away yeah and like rightly, of course he should be canceled. Like it's ridiculous that he should even be allowed. 
to partake in political discourse, let alone be the most powerful person on the planet for four years. Yeah. But hey, guess what? He was the most powerful person on the planet for four years. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was. You can't undo that. And the with, with the trend that we have, there's never going to be a most powerful person on the planet who is on the left. Right. Ever in our lifetime. Yeah. So stop thinking that there will be. Again, seek consistency from yourself. If you want to hold accountable people like Donald Trump who will continue to ride hatred and xenophobia and the 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 blaming nationalism, the blaming of others for your own problems, uh, for the problems that affect your communities. If you want to continue fighting against those people, uh, then yeah, it's 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 going to be a fucking uphill fight, and you're going to have to, um, you know, <laughs> you're going to have to make strange bedfellows, and maybe not every single uh, like you can you can decry things without completely throwing them out. You can decry AOC's um, whatever like refusal to participate in this uh, uh, force the vote activity without throwing her way away as a politician what do you think you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna primary her in the bronx and you're gonna get somebody more to the left right will actually you know participate in specifically your political program you think you're gonna find somebody more to the left than cory bush in st louis you think you're gonna find somebody more to the left in minnesota than than ilhan omar okay fucking then throw them out too throw everybody out that's and just con- continue that ideological purity it's so um, fucking frustrating. <laughs> yeah. They're the biggest enemies. They're absolutely the, the the progressives are the ones standing in the way of of what exactly? I'm not sure. Like we're we're just on the precipice of this like ravagingly nationalistic right-wing empire becoming a socialist utopia. We're right there. We're right <laughs> fucking there. And yeah, don't worry about the 80 million or what is it 75 million people that voted for donald trump don't worry about that worry about the three or four million people that voted for bernie mm-hmm. they're the problem all right they're the, the the people that are represented by the various districts of the people of, of the con- uh, congress people who make up the quote-unquote squad jamal bowman and like uh and um you know ayanna presley that's the problem right there focus on that whatever the political left again on a national scale, it's fucking doomed. Stop wasting energy on it. It's fucking pointless. I love That's that. I, I, I love that my things that I learned uh, have to do with myself <laughs> and your yeah. yours are all. Well, political. I mean, why would it be any different, David? <laughs> so, uh, so my my third thing that I learned this year, and it actually ties into the some of the stuff you were just talking about with that with that last one there, um, but it has to do with my music career and uh, l- learning that I don't think going forward I'm going to uh, uh, judge or measure my success anymore based on uh, the money of my music career because I honestly enjoy uh, making a living from podcasting more. Um, I actually want to really continue to Good. pursue that. And I, 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 as much as I love making music and I'm going to continue making albums and putting them out there and continue scoring films and and taking on jobs, composing music for things. I don't, I don't know that it's really uh, something that makes sense 
to to judge in that way anymore because we're just in a very strange time when it comes to uh, media creation and content creation and all that kind of stuff. And uh, I just think music is not something to to try to build a career around anymore. And so I'm going to do it because I love it. But I think making podcasts and of course, you know, wax tracks are, are the things that are, you know, where my, my living is going to be and making music is going to be a supplemental thing because of course I'm going to continue doing it because I love doing it, but it, I just, I'm not going to judge myself based on it anymore. I, I, I mean, like, don't you worry about where music is going? I, I mean, do I all the time. Should, I shouldn't even ask. Yeah. yeah. All the time. And it's, there's not a, especially with there's COVID. Not an, an industry supporting it anymore. There's, yeah. it's, it's just, I don't know. It's like a, a a real fuzzy thing now. Yeah. Well, the, the the you know the the big like argument uh, has been ever since streaming took over, which has completely decimated the possibility of making uh, money uh, off of creating music. Uh, it has been well, no musicians make their money from shows. Well, good luck with fucking that now, you know, <laughs> I mean, who the fuck knows when that's going to happen. And not that that was ever my thing. But then you say you could also say, oh, well, actually, musicians make their money from uh, licensing, which has been uh, the bulk of the uh, the career I've had has been licensing my my music for television and commercials and things like that. And that's great. And I, I hope to continue to do it. But at the same time, uh, I forget which company I should have written it down. Uh, but one of the major like stock music companies that a lot of the television uh, uh, production companies uses is investing heavily in AI-based music creation going forward. So it's like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like they're going to take the existing music they have and let's say uh let's say that you know some producer for some television show says oh we like that but can we make it faster they're just going to make it faster no composer is going to get money off of that it's just going to be just created on the fly by the website it's just it's it's a losing proposition trying to make money going forward in music uh with the way technology and covid and everything else going on in this world has kind of come together on so then, and this is the thing too that um, I experienced when I started my career off as a reporter at a newspaper, and uh, you know I, I did that for the whole first however many years of my career for like a while, um, and uh, and magazines too. I was a, I was an editor for a magazine, and um, you know, and then an editor at a at a digital website, right? Mm. And it was a, ostensibly journalism broadly, like all the things I was doing were journalism, and it was like well. If you got into journalism to make money, that's the wrong thing. <laughs> that seems to be every fucking industry. You should not do this to make money. It's like, oh, what, what am I doing? Like, no, but like, I mean, but people will say, people will say, like, oh no, if you get into construction and home building, yeah, like, why isn't it that if you get into construction and home building or developing, it's like, no, 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 you better not expect to make money doing that. You know, you do that because you have a passion about giving people a place to live. <laughs> Uh-huh. It's like uh, it's like but no, but only for music. Uh what else? Acting? Yeah. Or I guess writing. you know like performance art. Yeah. Shit where like uh journalism, media, like all these things where it's like, okay, well, first of all, there are people in those industries that are making fucking a, sh- a fuck of ton of money. Yeah, like yeah. fifteen new people a year may get get yeah. in, into that level. Well well plus there's plus there's a, a whole load of people in media and in music let's use let's stick with those two examples who make plenty of fucking money who nobody's paying any money to see 
Right. Like executives and the pe- and the people who are like, you know, part of the- nobody's paying to see nobody has literally ever paid a dollar to see Tommy Matola do a thing. Right. But he has somehow extracted a billion dollars from that thing. Yeah. Because of what? What what is he adding? What was his value add? That what did he add that Mariah Carey couldn't have done on her own? Yeah. Or who else did Matol- did Tommy Boy Records produce? I yeah, I, I'm like, not sure, but it, but I think pain. I think the line has been drawn though. There's not. I don't know that there's going to be a Tommy Matola in 2040 making money off of the stuff that came out in 2020. You know what I mean? Like, see, now that's why I disagree. I think that there will be, but it'll be he'll Tommy Matola will work for like Spotify or something. He'll be like a guy who figured out how to shave an extra point off of the an extra tenth mm-hmm. of a point off of the residuals in the algorithm and cheat artists by like a tenth of a cent. Uh-huh. And by doing that, earned the company an extra five billion dollars. Sure. And but there's that, one of those. The yeah, there's like one or two or three of those. It it gets even smaller. Like it just keeps yeah. getting smaller and smaller. The opportunity to be that guy. Not that I want to be that guy, but like no, I know. This, it's like just the op- the opportunity to actually make a living in that industry just keeps shrinking. And it's like if if that's your goal, it, it's just just like these political things. Like you know, cost you to just like just rage you know about about these things <laughs> like i'm not gonna sit here and uh and fucking concern myself with that yeah yeah i think that's right um so i guess it's on me right my yeah my, your my, last, my last thing that i learned um see i had something written down but now i'm kind of like changing my mind about it maybe i should just stick with it uh because all of mine things that I've learned have been so negative <laughs> and been so bad. And I'm, I'm trying to like rat, rack my mind for something else that like I kind of wanted to talk about. And um, I don't know. I, I'll just, I'll just say this then I'll say it. Like I used to think that, and a lot of this goes to, okay, let me preamble this a little bit. Flying in the face of facts, right? Going back to the original thing we were talking about with hypocrisy, I, I, I was stunned, stunned at not just how much anti-China rhetoric and anti like various other, um, you know, places like China, places from the from the from the east, places from the you know global south, how much anti, how much xenophobia mm-hmm. there was, yeah. Uh, I, I I mean, I wasn't just surprised at how much of it permeated out of like, you know, elected officials or um, media outlets or whatever. I was surprised at how much, how easily it was received. Like how quickly the the party, like at the same time, the same people who are like, you know, it's technically it was the Democrats who who supported slavery. But like, because like ostensibly they try to say that like the Republican Party is not racist, but at the same time it was those same people that were like the Wuhan flu, the China flu, and shit like the Kung flu, and like super ready. Like I I mean, like not even didn't miss a beat ready to jump. So I I guess the thing that I thought was that I guess throughout my life, maybe it was growing up in New York, or or maybe it was just my experiences or whatever. I thought that xenophobia and racism were like in the modern age 
the exceptions and that you had to go into outlying areas of uh, like pools of ignorance in different like locales throughout the country to find it. And uh, this goes back to my experience here in Miami, seeing Miami turn into basically turn into Trump country, mm-hmm. going from being like a lukewarm liberalish, you know, uh, metropolitan area to apart from a few enclaves of where there are a lot of, uh, you know, high population of black people, where there's a high population of sort of liberal professional managerial class people in the downtown Winwood Miami beach area. Like apart from that, seeing the quote unquote real Miami, which is where bird road is, which is what we, what our show is ostensibly about Mm -hmm. seeing that whole swath, the vast majority change from kind of liberal to hardcore Trump. I, I have come to the conclusion that xenophobia and racism aren't outliers. Mm -hmm. They're unstoppable forces. And they're not going to be changed. And the most that we can do is fight against them. And there's, there, there I, I don't think that, that, it, that the hatred in the, in the hearts of people can, for people who are different or look different or act different, can be stopped. Happy A New Year! Ago, <laughs> <laughs> A year ago, I thought that was true. A year ago, I was drinking so much Kool-Aid. Again, I was like, you know, super on board with Bernie's campaign. I was on board with the Not Me Us stuff. I, I like was affected. I still am affected deeply by that message. I think it's an and I'm a I'm a, a deeply poisoned and like and corrupted person, mm-hmm. super far down in my soul. One of the one of the darkest souls that you'll ever witness like is the soul of of a working man who's forced to like engage in corporate communications on a daily basis Uh as a way to like with golden handcuffs on who's absolutely has to show up to work every day for fear of losing the tidy little pile of shit that he's created for himself like that like there's nothing darker than what happens inside of my mind there's nothing more abject and horrible like i mean survivors of genocides are 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 more positive than i am as a person generally but this is one area this is i'll readily admit i was wrong i thought that most people were like me and most people were like you and i that's not true they're not and it's it's something that i'm gonna have to come to grips i'm not sure if it's something that you run away from when you find out when you see trump signs pop up on like 40 percent of the lawns in your neighborhood and they weren't there four years ago do you leave that neighborhood can that is is there a point in continuing to live there? Mm-hmm. Like like I mean, you're the right. I'm the right color, so I'll be fine. I fit in mostly. But what if I ever with any of those neighbors? What if I ever have a conversation that goes even slightly deeper than just how the weather is? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, I don't know. Am I being a bitch? Am I being like? Uh, uh, am I being panicked unnecessarily? Am I being like, am I myself being xenophobic? Is it make more sense to just fucking leave and to just go to one of these like, like 
obnoxious liberal enclaves. Or maybe it's just better to do what you're doing, which is just like shutter yourself up inside of like an, an, an anonymous McMansion and <laughs> like just not worry about any of it. Just be like, well, this is... And by the way, you're still playing into capitalism's hands there. You're atomizing sure. yourself. You're making yourself small, an individual. You're never going to be able to... Um, find solidarity with other like-minded people. I'm not talking about you, Dave. Although, yes, you are doing this. Yes. But I'm saying, I'm, I'm using the broad second person. Like, you're not going to be able to, to 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 make common cause with anybody. Like, um, so I guess what I've learned is, like, that's a big problem that people who think the way that I think are going to have to deal with. It, it, it's a fork in the road. Yeah. Because you... Like the Trump genie isn't going to go back in the bottle. No, or, no, or it's Trump, not. The Trump toothpaste isn't going to go back in the tube. Mm-mm. Like it's out. And so then what? Like I can't look across the street or down the street, and the like the the the, the like neighbors who have like an F one fifty with like a thirty foot Donald Trump pole on it. They took it down, but it was still up, man. Yeah. It was still up. Yeah, no, I, like you're I, all, I walk you were Harvey. You all in on that shit. I walk Harvey and like a neighbor will try to make small talk. And first of all, I'm like, get away from me because you might have a disease. <laughs> but, but second of all, like the, thir- me, the, you pig. the third sentence is about, uh, you know, immigrants illegally voting or something like that. Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the other thing is that they like they come at you with their shit. Yeah. And I don't come at people with like, hey, not me, us. But even if I did come at you and with my third sentence being something about like pushing for Bernie Sanders, just empirically, that message is a different message. Right. That message is about uh, about helping and openness and like and an assistance. And yeah, you can argue with it and say that it's socialism and it's like, um, you know, communism or whatever. OK, fine. But it's still not coming from a place of ex- exclusion. Right, right. It's not coming from a place of 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 uh pushing away or i don't know how to describe it it's a like the 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 core polarities of those two issues are different it's not like it's 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 got different sentiment i mean i I don't have to explain this the people who are listening to this show probably share this political you know valence Mm -hmm. and they are they, they they are in agreement with it but just on its face it's a different conversation it's not one where it's like aggressive it's not one where it's built around excluding other people. It's about bringing everybody in and making sure that everybody is okay and taken care of. Yeah. And, and, and again, I don't, you and I don't fucking like go up to people and like hit people with that unless, you know, you're literally knocking on the doors and talking to people during a campaign season. But I don't know, man, that shit, it's here. I mean, are you guys seeing it more in Vegas? Did I guess you don't really get out of the door that much. So like, well, yeah, like, especially and nobody does it in Vegas. Right, especially with everything going on, but uh but yeah, you you absolutely see it. And and I mean, social media is the fucking worst when it comes to that. And I mean, who knows how much of that is real people, how much of that is bots and all that stuff, but you know, it, it's it's unusable. Um social media as far as like a thing to you know, share ideas or anything like that because it just devolves and just into this the worst, disgusting pits of human uh, nature when you when you go into any kind of forum that has to do with an issue, uh, because people are disgusting. Ugh, I don't know. I don't think it can be saved. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs>